Hi, welcome to the latest issue of China Success, our podcast devoted to showcasing foreign companies that are having success in China. I'm delighted to welcome you today to Matt Weston, uh, a founder, a, a co-founder, shareholder, partner, director in New Treat Australia, who's going to talk to us about his China journey. So, Matt, welcome to the program. Hi, David. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you. Now, Matt, firstly, tell us a bit about your China journey and how it started. I know you spent some time living in China, so tell yeah. us more about how that all came about. Yeah, well, that came about back in uh, early 2006. So going back a little while now, I lived in Beijing for just on five years. And I went to China as a technical director for the Beijing Olympics. Um, so I worked for the Chinese sport, the Chinese government. And, um, and then I ended up working on a sporting project, um, which was half owned by a European company and half owned by the Chinese government. And that was a large project through sport around China. And that product, that business actually then ended up being purchased by Wang Jianlen, the Wanda group, became Wanda Sport and uh, and became that. So it, it started as this and became very large um, and sort of incorporated over 37, 38 cities across China. So it was a quite a large remit. Um, loved the job, loved the people, um, and really got an understanding of, um, yeah, doing business in, in China and over the different sort of regions. And what do you think was your key learning from living and doing business and working in China? Oh, there, yeah, there's a few. I think one of them is um, building a network of people based on trust. As a foreigner, um, you have to work hard to gain that trust and you can understand why. There's a deep culture and deep history of um, you know Chinese culture and trusting foreigners to come in. I think, and I used to say to a lot of foreigners there, if you can last six months, you probably should be able to last a while in China. Yeah, because I think the ones that won't last get found out in the first six months and it just breaks down because there's no trust. As you know yourself, David, you've done plenty up there. If you don't have those key relationships, it's not going to work. It's not like um, Australia where you can get through, even though you may not have the relationships with people, in China it's a must. So that was probably the thing, if I was going to say to anyone, that's what you've got to have. Yes, longevity and trust. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, you came back to Australia. You're now in yeah. Adelaide. and. Yeah. Uh, you're now a shareholder and director in Nutreat. Yep. Um, so tell us a little bit about how that started and um, yeah. what, what, where you saw the opportunity. Yeah, well, one, another shareholder that we have at Nutreat, a friend of mine, he's Australian, from, um, but he's based in Hong Kong. He got me onto, the, onto Nutreat. He said, look, we've got a great little business here that I'm buying. You should get involved. So I looked at it and um, it was founded by a nutritionist called Joe Flannery, who's a really respected um, nutritionist through um, the aged care and hospital system in Perth. And um, when I looked at the product, uh, Joe had actually designed this product to solve an issue, which was people that were not getting their daily intake of vitamins and minerals. And so she came up with a product which was neutral in taste, very easy to digest, and um, yeah, it was easily put out to, and, and, and many people could have it. So we looked at that and we looked at the aged care sector and I thought, wow, there's some real growth here, not only in Australia, but through Asia and China. And so I said, yeah, let's get involved. And the more I looked at it and the more I spoke to Joe, the more I got excited about the opportunity. Um, she's uh, a really got incredible integrity about what her purpose is. And I just love an idea 
which has actually been created to solve an issue rather than a business trying to find an issue to solve. So from that point of view, I went, there's great opportunity here. Um, and then I was brought, you know, really came in to say, what can we do in Asia and pre predominantly China? How do we get into that market? So that was my role. Yeah, so it goes without saying that China has a sort of fairly aging demographic and uh, I, I've traveled around many aged care centers in China and they're all very busy um, yes. and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of aging people in China. So you've clearly seen that as an opportunity. So how did you go about uh, breaking into the China market? Yeah, okay. So going back to my previous job um, when I lived in China, I was fortunate enough, I'd managed over 39 cities in China, so I got to meet a lot of your government officials and your high net worths in that area because the basketball was so predominant in that country. I was there the era of Yao Ming, so basketball was huge. It was a godsend. It was amazing. So, again, if we go back to what we spoke about before, key relationships, network, having that trust, I was able to tap in and then get connected with the right people through aged care. Uh, different people that are providing services as well because it's not just um, about food or nutrition that the, there's services around technology how to help aging population learn and use WeChat as you know is a big part, part of uh, China and their society so using those networks to be able to lead and meet into people to bring that together um, to be able to um, engage and start that network so again I always say I'm not going to conquer this on my own because I'm smart enough to know I'm not that good. But what I will do is lean on the right people who are going to enable me to get my product through. And in that process, they obviously capitalise on that as well. But they like the idea of the product and the way it can be consumed. So that was the way I, was, I, I went around it. Um, nothing too hard. Again, I just lent on my five years full-time experience, and call it a decade and a half now probably of doing things in China. Um, to be able to lean on those people and say, oh, what can we do? Good. So I, I know you've had some success in Beijing, which I guess was your old home. So that was yeah. a natural place to start. So Absolutely. are you now supplying uh, Nutrient product into the aged care centres in Beijing? Yeah, so we will be starting from early 2022. So we've just gone through the agreement now. That, um, that probably got uh, signed off well, about three weeks ago four weeks ago and we'll start from from that uh from about march 2022 is the date um because we're starting with seventy thousand beds so it's quite a large um startup that we're doing um as you know they don't do things small in china <laughs> to us that's nearly the whole i think we have about two hundred thousand beds in australia um and they've said well, we'll start with 70 over 16 different re you know um sectors in uh in beijing so we're like okay right here and how we do that so the really my challenges at the moment are the logistical side the rollout and how that all happens um because i think what we you know initially you'd say right let's just start with 200 beds and, and we'll work from there but the the one thing that we don't want to do is go 200 beds working well we know it's not going to scale to 300 beds it's going to scale to 3000 beds and if we don't have the right processes in place we will not be able to deliver on that it'd take us a year we'd have too many mistakes so beijing is where we'll start because that's obviously where the government is and where a lot of focus is but this over the years will just go through all different parts of china tier two cities tier three cities where you know um, there's not a lot of you know sort of focus and assistance for the aged 
So it sounds to me like you've established a really good little niche there. Fantastic aged care, food, you know, nutritious food into the aged care sector. Yep. But what about capital? Because you're going to need a lot of capital to fund all of this, particularly as it as it starts to ramp up. Have you had any difficulty raising money to do this? No, no, we haven't as yet. And I've also put my money in um, as well because there's nothing better than when you put your own money in. It tells other people that, hey, this is obviously, <laughs> he's pretty confident about this. Um, and I've done roadshows before and capital raising. And it's one question that a lot of people ask you is, all right, what are you putting in? And um, you say, well, I'm putting in this much because I know when I've been pitched to before, it's one question I always ask how much are you going to put in? And when they say, oh, nothing, and I go, well, hang on, <laughs> this isn't a real you know, risk-sharing advice here. Um, no, we haven't had any um, issues. I've got a good network of uh, people up there that can see the potential in this and have the financial ability to help um, ensure that we've got that capital. And what we've also done, I've done a I've done a, a system here where we take a royalty fee. So a friend of mine who's one of the biggest um, manufacturers of Band-Aids and surgical um, supplies in China, he is going to help. We're going to manufacture this part of this in, in China. That's going to help us get around some of the legalities that you can have in terms of with the trade wars and things like that at the moment and help us manufacture that on ground. So that'll take away a lot of my cogs. Uh, that, that I would normally have. And uh, so we'll take a royalty fee on that and that takes away a lot of the risk around what you'd have to put in to get this going because I reckon if you're going to start this, just me starting in, um, to get this going, I'd be looking at 5 to $10 million, I reckon, just to get the wheels rolling at least. So we've done that. I've known uh, Ma now for a good dozen years. We've done some business before together in Qingdao, so it worked well. So will you operate a China business in the end, a, a wholly owned China business? Yes. Yeah, we will. We will. And that's part of the agreement um, that we do um, have that. And you probably know this, and I say this uh, at times to people, is when you want to go into China and do business, um, you've, got to put, you've got to put your mark down there. You've got to set up. You can't just do it remotely and hope that things will work. One of the things is set up, get an office, hire locals, go by all the, the, the processes that you need to do, show that you're committed. Because one thing that I know is when you're dealing with Chinese, if you're doing it remotely, if I'm doing it from down here in Adelaide, they know they're really carrying the risk. If something goes wrong, they're the ones on the hook, not me, I'm down in Adelaide. But when you go up and you put $2 million in a bank as a guarantee and you do those things, they know you're here for real. And that's a big difference of when you want to do business with people. And I can understand because too many, too many times they've been left holding the can and foreigners have jumped out and gone back home and gone, oh, it's not my problem anymore. And that isn't just a financial thing. That is also they lose face because it's seemed a failure. And that then goes on to so many different things depending on the severity of the failure of what that does to them in terms of future pensions as a Chinese person, schooling for their children. They may not be ever able to go to a private school because they had a massive failure and left a lot of people without money. So it's it's bigger than here as in Australia, we go into voluntary administration, I can go down the street and open up next week and start again. And everyone goes, well, it's legal. So understanding those sorts of things, I say to people, if you're gonna do China, Go do it or don't do it. You know, you, it's no testing, no tip, you know, toe in the water. You're jumping in the pool. And that's what I'd say. So you, are you going to move back to China? Well, 
you know, hopefully my wife doesn't see this, um, but <laughs> I think to make this success, there will, we will have to. Um, you know, I think at the start, I'll spend half my time there, and that means it's going to be airplanes, China, and a bit of Adelaide. But you're going to have to, because you can't just say, I can work off WeChat and get this done. We know, as you know more than me, of how to do business in China. You've got to show there that you're there, right? And you've got to be on ground, and you've got to, you know, show show your face and be able to get the things done. So, And also, getting good people around you in China. Yeah, and that's what I have now. I've got three people that um, you know work for me up there. They're trustworthy. I know they're going to get the job done, and we'll build that team out because that again is going to show the local government that we're serious about being in China and uh, doing those things. And as you know, the government is involved in everything. That's the way China operates. So if you think you can just throw darts from Adelaide and it's going to hit the board, I'm kidding myself. Yeah. Well, I mean, you followed uh, my four critical success factors for doing business in China. You need a deep niche, which is the aged care sector, very deep, very well, quite broad as well, but certainly deep. Yeah. Um, you've got a great little story around, you know, n- nutritional uh, value and, mm. and product. Um, you've you've raised capital, so you've got some money to, yep. to do this properly. And yep. you've got cross-cultural awareness and understanding from the time you spent living in China. So you're well set up for success. So how big can this get? Like, is this a, a hundred times ty- type of return? You yeah, know, and we, we, you know, when we came in, we were a small business, really small, profitable business, which I like. We we don't have a lot of costs in it. Um, the Joe, the founder, and her husband, Troy, ran a really sharp business. And that's what I liked about it, because I've been around a lot of startups and they come in wearing their t-shirts and they've got their cool offices but they're burning so much money and burning so much money that you don't need to burn and i'm a big person of you know let's get the product right run an mvp and then start to explode if we're going to have an investment in a burn there's a reason why there's a clear runway and what we want to do with that we all know that it's going to take a bit longer and it's going to cost a bit more but i really need a clear runway you know clear vision with this so I think when we talk about the growth, it can be rather large. The agreement we've got is for six years. It is going to, and plus an extension, it's going to get up towards half a million beds um, that we'll be supplying, and it could continue to obviously grow from that. That's what we have at the moment. We want to look at also entering the um, what they call independent living, which is people that live at home, but will have almost like a ECH model that we have in Australia where people come out and will check on you maybe once or twice a week. And that there is about six, seven times bigger than the in-home living at the moment because people want a little bit of their independence. So, you know, when you look at the deal that we have going at the moment, you know, about to roll out versus what the size of the business is now, it's definitely a lot larger um, but as you know as well, we you, you know you can see things. Okay, this can work not only in China but anywhere. All right, there that that can work. It's now actually getting it done, and that's why I'm of an age now. If I was ten years younger, fifteen years younger, I'd be saying, "Oh, let's go out. We go by the boats. We're, we've made it." You know, but we know there's going to be a lot of hard work involved to getting this done, and and that's fine. I believe we've got the right people. Um, I'm not not worried about it. We I've done um, I reckon harder things in China. But it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Well, look, last question. I mean, there's a lot of politics around at the moment and everyone's sort of worrying about uh, how Australian product is uh, viewed in China. Have you had any, um, you know, problems around that? No. From from the consumer side, 
they still love our products. Um, you know, you, if you're talking iron ore and not high end, that's that's right at the top end of the politics. And again, you know, we we also deal with tier three, tier four cities in China, where there's still a lot of opportunity. And I say to people that go, I want to go to China, and I want to go into Shanghai, and I say, why don't you look at you know some other cities, Chengdu's, Wuxi's, um, places like this, even smaller, Laoxi's, tier threes, um, you know, uh, Hefei's. Look at other cities where there's not much competition. You could probably build a better relationship with the government and be able to, you know, have that person to help you navigate the process with that. Because we're still talking about tier two cities, tier three cities that are bigger than Sydney, got more population and a growing uh, economy. Um, so it's not, I think people have to, my advice is leave Shenzhen, Guangzhou, Beijing, Shanghai out entering through one of the other cities if you know you especially if your budget's you know only a couple of million dollars and you go you know this is what i want to do um because yeah you could spend a lot of money just entering shanghai and at the end of it sit there and go well <laughs> that was a good campaign and you would know more than anyone um that you know it's a it's a journey it's a long process so you've got to be in it and understand the length of that journey Yes, well, you're a perfect example of a China success. You're a small business. Um, you've established yourself a little niche. You've raised some capital, not huge yep. amounts, um, and you're no. very well set up to, to be successful. So any last pieces of advice for anybody else thinking about doing business in China? You know, if people, and I sit in many meetings now um, where people say, I want to get to China and can you help me? And I reckon, David, I walk away from 90% of those meetings and say, this isn't for you. The reasons are they're not, they want the, the benefits of China, but they don't want to do the work to get it. And for me, we spoke about it before, having a network of people, how much are you really going to commit? And it's not just money, it's resources, and I want to see them committed. Because we can talk all we want, that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Nothing more than saying, let's start registering a business in China now, let's get an office let's get this set up and we register with the tax department and we go through all those things, which here is so easy in Australia. We can do it in an hour and I've got a business and we're up and we're running. It can take months in China. So it's those things to ensure, are you really committed? Because if you're not, I'm going to save you a lot of time and money now. Don't do it. Go to Singapore, go to <laughs> Malaysia, go try somewhere else. Um, so having a network of people and really commit to it and know that it's a journey. The MBA for me was one of the best journey, one of the best sort of success stories. They would they've been in it for now 30, 30 plus years probably, and it took them close to a decade to get any traction. But they had a vision. They knew it would be a success, and now they do probably half a billion dollars a year just out of China, right? But it wasn't easy at the start. <laughs> you know, there was two people there, and it didn't happen in six months. So don't. Don't think it'll be there. So those would be a couple of the keys that I'd say to people. Um, and and don't don't go. Just the other thing would be China is China. Don't think you can do business like here in Australia in China. The rules are different than what it is here in Australia. So you understand that clearly, and don't be afraid to get advice of people like yourself to say what really is. Even if David, you've got to give bad news to people, it's better than them losing half a million dollars because that <laughs> is a tough lesson. So those are some of the things that I would say is um, understanding that landscape.
Well, Matt, thank you for joining us. It's a great, an inspirational story for others that you don't need, need to be big. You just need to be focused uh, yeah. and you just need to find your own little niche. And uh, China opens up as a massive opportunity, which for you could be life changing. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, we wish you every success. We'll certainly be following you from a distance. But thanks for being on our podcast today. Thanks, David. Great to be here. Thanks, mate. And thanks to all our listeners. Um, please go to our website, China Success at davidthomas.asia. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to Matt. I certainly have. Um, and there'll be more examples of China Success in the future. Look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>